With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving, at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Hey everyone, Man is here. And since the last podcast I did with Jaleesa, obviously the world has completely changed as the coronavirus pandemic has taken grip. And I feel at the moment a little bit uh, rattled, a little bit uh, shaken uh, for, for many reasons, not just all the concerns about people getting sick and dying, but also the fact that all our lives have been completely changed in a matter of days. I've had to close my restaurant. My kids are out of school. I'm sure all of you are struggling with varying challenges that have come, come out because of this horrible virus that is sweeping the world. So I wanted to talk to you all as the host of this podcast, but also someone who's been podcasting for seven years. I started this cricket podcast in the year 2013, and I do feel a deep connection with my audience. Uh, some of you have been listening since the beginning of the show. Some of you have, have come on more recently, but I do feel a deep connection to the audience of this podcast. And at this time when we're also isolated and alone, I feel I can't go anywhere. I need to keep podcasting. Even though the cricket stopped, um, I want to still be a regular weekly podcast with perhaps more that is in your lives. I mean, we're all feeling isolated, but fortunately, I opened a podcast studio not that long ago, and it's almost like a, a podcast bunker now. It's completely isolated. It's got all my equipment here, so I, I can keep going. And I'm sure a lot of you are struggling with now unemployment. Some of you are probably isolated alone. You don't have families and live with people. So we want to continue. I want to continue being a voice in your lives, 
throughout this time. And I'm going to call Paul Dennett in a moment um, and we're going to talk about the show plan. But I just want to say to all of you, at a time like this, we need to come together and maybe um, make this community even stronger. So, you know, write in at ozcricketpod at gmail.com. If you've got any questions, anything you want to get off your chest, cricket or non-related, that's auscricketpod, A-U-S cricketpod at gmail.com. Also, if you've not been on social media a lot, now might be the time to jump on. It is a way of connecting with people all around the world and um, other cricket fans, other cricket lovers, people who listen to this podcast. Go on to Twitter, at auscricketpod, A-U-S cricketpod. Go on to Instagram, the same, at auscricketpod. Go on to TikTok. Uh, I'll put all the links in the show notes, but I want to be here for you. I want to continue our relationship and dialogue that has been going on for a long time because I feel the same as you. I feel isolated. I feel alone. A lot of things that are close to us have been taken away. And, you know, while we battle through this, I think it would be a big mistake for the podcast to go away. So we're going to battle through it. A few things will change. But let's call my co-host Paul Dennett and uh, see how he's faring uh, at the moment. G'day. G'day, Paul. You're live on the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. I was just telling the listeners um, how you know, I've been podcasting for seven years and, and this is a very challenging time, but you know, I don't want the podcast to go anywhere. And I think while people are feeling isolated and alone, we should continue the podcast. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's always plenty to talk about, even if there's nothing happening uh, on the field in cricket, there's always plenty to talk about. From the past and the present. So, yeah, I think that'd be, that'd, that's a great idea. I did say to everyone they should write in, send their messages. Um, I want the community to, to build and maybe become closer together in this time because, you know, there will be people who will be struggling with this. You know, we're lucky we're at home with our families, but some people won't be that fortunate. Yeah, I just want everyone to come together in this time. Yeah, I'm, I'm planning on doing a few mini-podcasts where I'll – take a topic that I find really interesting, um, usually from cricket history. And I'll, I'll promise not to make it boring. I'll try to make it as fun and exciting as possible. So if, um, if there is a topic that you're, you've got your heart set upon that you'd like to know more about from, from the history of the game or anything, um, send it through and request, a, request an episode as well. Yeah, and so you're going to be doing that. I'm going to be um, seeking out some one-on-one interviews over the phone with cricketers from around the country. I've got a, a bevy of contacts built up. So I'm going to reach out to people over time and try and get a few chats going with cricketers. And so that's going to be my angle. But I also think we discussed before, and we should start next week, going week by week through the test, the Amazon documentary, go one episode at a time. Definitely looking forward to that. I um, got access to Amazon Prime yesterday. So um, I've been holding off on watching the first episode until just before we do the podcast because I want it to be fresh in my mind. And uh, yeah, from, from all accounts, it's one of the most captivating pieces of um, television that you'll see. Yeah, so listeners out there, so that's the plan. From next week, we're going to do a test uh, episode review, one a week for the next eight weeks. If you haven't watched it already, uh, try and watch the first episode by next week. There are lots of ways to get trials of Amazon Prime, so just look into those because it's well worthwhile. And, uh, you know, that's that's our plan uh, starting next week. Sounds good. H- how are you feeling, Paul? Um, 
about the you know the the changes to our life in this period? Uh, I'm well, personally at the moment I'm feeling good in the sense that I was kind of born to be in lockdown. I'm, <laughs> I'm you know I, I've just noticed that I'm wearing the same clothes as I was wearing yesterday today, and I'm like, well, that's better not slip into terrible habits. But um, <laughs> so from, from a personal point of view, so far um, you know so far so good. But I think from a um, an overall point of view, I'm really I'm worried about the world in a way that I've never been before, and just um, you know the the the, the crises that we're facing, the crisis that we're facing here, but seeing what's happening in Italy, um, what might be in store in the UK and America, and then you know I've got a friend in Mexico who's saying that over there their president is still basically saying it's all fine, and he's insisting on shaking people's hands, and he said, my friend said, there's just a level of um, uh, sort of bravado over there that, that they're totally unprepared with what's going to, to swamp them. So, oh uh, yeah, I, th- I think it's the scariest time that I can ever rem- remember. Yeah, I, I'm not scared so much, but but certainly anxious about just what's going on. And I'm especially concerned for my older relatives, not being able to see them. You know, I find that very jarring that my elderly auntie and my grandmother, who's in her 90s, you know, they're all sort of isolated and you know, we really shouldn't be seeing them. Even though we want to, we shouldn't be. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit of a shock to the system. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I suppose my fear is there's a, a slight personal element to it as well, that there's this misnomer, I think, out there that if you're not sort of 70 or above or if you don't have any underlying major health concerns, that if you get it yourself, it will be just kind of like a, you know, a dose of the flu. And while it may be that, there is a significant minority of people bordering on you know more than just a minority of of people who are younger who get it and it really does knock them for six they they have to be some of them have to be hospitalized and and, you know some of them are even dying and i suppose my fear comes from the fact that all my life i have been prone to get kind of a bit of asthma and chest infections and stuff and so i sort of think if i got it would i be one of those ones who would have to end up in hospital and if the hospitals were you know, not being not able to handle the, the, the caseload, what would happen then? So uh, I think that that's a, just a small personal sort of fear that, that cuts in. And once you feel that yourself, I think then then I think that colours the way that you view the overall thing as well. Because, you know, obviously the same with, with you. I've got elderly relatives as well who I'm, I'm concerned about and who are thankfully uh, in lockdown. And that's another thing that worries me, that I see evidence of a lot of older people who aren't in lockdown. And I know it can be difficult, but it's what you've got to do. Yeah, well... What, what about um, changes to the show? Unfortunately, Jaleesa Apps has had to take a, a step back from the podcast at the moment. As you can imagine, there's huge changes going on in her workplace at the moment. So she's going to take a little step back at the moment. Hopefully she'll be back, uh, you know, at the other, other end of this uh, darkness, so to speak. Definitely, yeah. Uh, but we've loved having a part of the show. I'm going to try and give her a call in the next couple of weeks to have a chat on the podcast. I want to switch now and just talk about cricket for a little bit. And, you know, I think it's important, as, as bro- serious as um, what's going on, that this podcast we can get away from our troubles for a little while with the listeners and the, the new services are covering the, this pandemic much better than we can. So, yeah, I, I think we should try and make this podcast a way of people just to get away from their troubles and hear our familiar voices uh, once a week or more often um, throughout this period. Yeah, I agree. I think we've, um, we're all aware of how serious it is. And then, yeah, a show like this, um, let's talk about the fun stuff. 
So you made a good point in the notes here. If cricket is shut down for a while, say six months to a year, could this be an opportunity for world cricket to revamp its schedule and format? What are your thoughts around that? My thoughts are, yes, it is an opportunity for that to happen and that there's no chance that it will happen. <laughs> 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 so I think that, yeah, let's, you know, in a year's time or whenever it is that it re- returns to normal, it will return to normal very, very quickly in the sense that the crazy, chaotic schedule that exists now will will continue to exist, which is a pity because I think if you were designing a schedule for cricket, then the one that we have had over recent years is not what you would design. It's just... There's too much cricket. There's too much cricket that doesn't have context. So, you know, in an ideal world, I'd like to see that addressed and something done about, um, you know, these endless bilateral one-day series and T20 series and some more mini tournaments and those sorts of things to, to spice it up. But I can't see it happening. The one thing that I could see happening, which some people would review as a very backward step, but I could see it happening, is Australia at the moment kind of have a four-year cycle, don't we, where... You know, England come every four years, India come every four years, and then the other two seasons in a four-year cycle, we get some good cricket, competitive cricket against nations like South Africa, but they are a little bit of a downtime. And I wonder if Cricket Australia wouldn't love to be able to sort of push that back and go to a three-year cycle where we have England, India, and then one other team, and then back to England and India again. For the financial health of the game, that would be um, fantastic, but it would be really sort of, uh, closing out, freezing out some of those second, um, second, second tier nations from uh, as much international cricket here. I mean, that, that's an interesting point. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not a big fan of that idea, but I wonder. Just looking ahead, you know, if if cricket is locked down for six months to a year, you know, that could mean the T20 World Cup is cancelled in Australia. That could mean the IPL is cancelled. That could mean next summer against India is in jeopardy. It is going to need a complete reshuffle of the calendar. Yeah, and it's interesting because if the T20 World Cup is cancelled, as it looks like it will be, they won't have the option of doing you know what the Olympics might do of just postponing a year because there's another T20 World Cup scheduled for a year after that in India. I mean, unless they have back-to-back World Cups, um, which would be... A bit bizarre. I'm not a fan of that idea either of going to three years, but I must admit that given that India were out here just the season before last and that they were due to be out here this next, this upcoming season, so with a gap of only um, a couple of years, I found that really good and I was really looking forward to the fact that they were coming back out. So I don't think we should go to it, but I could see the attraction of it. I bet the Indians would be attracted to that idea as well, coming out here every three years. <laughs> now, you, uh, you, you've you got some ideas for what people could watch on YouTube. I did notice um, yesterday that Cricket Australia on the cricket.com.au website and app streamed a whole game, basically just like a live game. Just, I think it was from the late 90s, which I thought was a great idea. I was busy yesterday, but I would have turned it on if I wasn't. Uh, it, it will be a... A great time for nostalgia. I mean, if you're into nostalgia, now's the time to indulge it. Yeah, definitely. And um, the, the quality of um, how much highlights are out there obviously varies from game to game. But the um, the 1981 Ashes, which if you're of a certain age, uh, it's, it's just before I remember, but for, for people who were around at the time, it was like 2005. It was one of the great series of all time. And they've got really detailed extended highlights on that. And I find that, a great um, way to while away some time. That if you know the 
the background to Ian Botham being um, captain, everything going wrong, him getting out for a second innings duck at Lords in the first test and walking off to absolute silence in the long room because he played a, a poor shot and then resigning from the captaincy before he got pushed and then Mike Brearley taking over then in the, the famous Headingley test match, England gone for all money and then Botham leads this stunning turnaround with then Bob Willis and then the next test match to Edgbaston, they were gone for all money and Botham took five for one and then then in the final test match with the whole country suddenly reinvigorated with cricket, it was one of the most boring days play ever. Um, with a huge crowd in attendance at the Oval under leaden skies. And Chris Tavro, I think it was, got the slowest score of all time. And suddenly both of them came out and electrified the crowd again. And I don't know, you can watch the whole thing in sequence over the course of a few hours and, and you feel like you're there. Richie Benner is commentating. Um, even though it's disappointing to see the Aussies lose, um, I highly recommend that one if, um, if, you, if you're looking at something to watch. All right. Can you send those um, out from the show account so people can um, click onto them? Uh, yeah, I mean, basically, if you just put 1981 Ashes into um, YouTube, you'll get it. But I'll, I'll send a... Um... Perfect. All right, so coming up in a moment, I've got a feature interview with the New South Wales skipper, Peter Neville, who sort of reflects on the curious uh, Sheffield Shield win of the Blues. But, Paul, before I let you go and uh, before we, um, you know, come back next week and talk about the test, you're a bit concerned about sort of the way the coronavirus is being covered at the moment? Oh, uh, yeah. I just think that I, I touched on it early on, that um, there's a there's a sense that it's an economic disaster first and a health disaster second. It is an economic disaster, but I still think that we shouldn't be at all complacent um, about the health aspects. And if anyone is listening who is, you know, if you're 70 plus, then you really have to be in isolation. And I know that can be very much more easily said than done that you know grandparents are regularly minding grandchildren and still working and all sorts of things but um you know you look at the statistics for people 80 80 years or above it's kind of like a 16 percent fatality rate you know one in six you just don't want to be getting it and as i said that you don't want to be taking it complacently if, even if you're younger because it might not be the walk in the park that people think but i saw channel nine news last night and they were I don't know, there was this heartwarming story at the end of where a couple of neighbours were cooking meals for an elderly neighbour. And that was great. But the three of them were touching shoulders, um, just totally violating the, the social distancing things. And I think that, yeah, I know of a lot of friends whose parents are in their 70s and 80s who are sort of refusing to socially isolate. And, yeah, that concerns me. So the message is take it seriously because um, it is serious. Well, Paul, that's an important message. I'm glad you're all over this. I think let, let's leave it there. Peter Neville's coming up. I need to just sort of soak up all the changes in our lives before I'm ready to really get back into the nitty-gritty of our cricket chats. But uh, not, not not at the moment. I don't miss cricket yet because there's, there's so much other going on. It seems not that important. But I'm sure as this goes on, I'll, I'll miss the, the escape that cricket brings us all. That sort of, um, I don't know, it's just, you know, cricket's such a, such a big part of both our lives you know there's so much going on the stories it's it, it is a, a brilliant way to escape your troubles oh definitely i'm going to miss it hugely i like you i'm not missing it yet but even when i think of the the england summer that comes up i love watching england test matches at the middle of the night in the cold winter um you know the the, the beautiful england grounds and everything else it's, i love the sky commentary team it's a great you know, hidden pleasure kind of thing that um, will obviously not occur this year. But I am really keen to 
get into the, the the stories that I want to tell about the history of the game. I'm started researching them already, and uh, so yeah, hopefully uh, you'll enjoy them, and um, hopefully you'll enjoy them as well, man. I'll try to I'll, I'll have you in mind when I'm um, choosing what to leave in and what to leave out. I'll be um I'll, I'll be keeping them as breezy and as light as I can, not um, <laughs> not getting too bogged down in um, boring detail. Well, this is the time to get bogged down in boring detail. <laughs> I sort of now I look back at the summer that's just gone with like a, you know, I make the most of every cricket summer. I try to go to as much cricket as I can. I think I went to almost all the competitions at some stage this summer. And, you know, now it's it's all over and it, it is the, the most severe case of post-cricket season blues I've ever had. The, the, it's, there's nothing to look forward to cricket-wise. It's, it's a very jarring feeling. Yeah, I've kind of lost that feeling in the past because the, the season sort of just goes on and on and the Australian season is now so condensed that it's over before you kind of know it and then Australia's off somewhere else. But when I was a kid and the Australian season was longer and we didn't often have those many international tours, I used to get really down in March. Um, but So I, I'm feeling that, I'm sure I'm going to feel that more and more strongly as the days go by you know, in a way that I haven't felt it um, for a long time or indeed ever. Well, Paul, I agree. And I, as I said, the beginning of our chat this is the time i want the cricket unfiltered listening community to come closer together and i said if you're not on social media now might be the time to do it send in your emails send in your tweets we'll be answering questions but yeah we want to be here for you and uh you know i hope uh we can all get through this together sounds good man it sounds good all right paul take care and listeners i'll be back after the break with the new south wales skipper peter neville Deckity in, bowls a full ball, Neville drives through cover beautifully. Glorious shot from the New South Wales captain. The ball's running along the turf and he's going to slide over the rope for four. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. I'm Menas and now joining me is my special guest, the New South Wales cricket captain who was just awarded the Sheffield Shield, Peter Neville. Peter, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm well, thanks, Andrew. Good to be with you. Yeah, good to have you. We ran into each other well, a couple of weeks ago now at the East 125-year uh, lunch, and we were talking about your final fixture. We were talking about a possible Sheffield Shield final, and then since then the whole world's changed. How have you coped? Indeed it has, yeah. I mean, um, yeah, since we caught up there, I think they've banned those types of gatherings well and truly. Um, you know, there were to 400 people in that room. Uh, fast forward a couple of weeks and you know that's unthinkable at this stage so it's been a very very crazy environment to be navigating for for everyone no doubt but um, yeah very abrupt end to the season and as you've seen other sports have followed. Yeah um, I'm sort of um, continuing the podcast throughout this lockdown because I think a lot of people are going to be home and isolated some people are going to be lonely I wonder how on a personal level how are you sort of coping with the changes to your lifestyle? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I've sort of been watching the news nonstop, um, you know, live rolling coverage of, of everything that's going on and trying to stay inside and practice good hygiene and all those things. You know, it seems as though other countries around the world, you know, we're, we're going to follow them, you know, in weeks to come and end up, you know, being, uh, you know, potentially locked in, um, for periods of time. So it's, yeah, it's a bit of a scary new environment we see ourselves in. But I suppose a little silver lining for me. I've got my young daughter at home now that the cricket season's over. Um, you know, I get to spend a, a lot of time with her. 
I mean, you, the cricket is are due for a break normally around this time anyway. Uh, this is going to be a little bit different. No training, no nothing. I mean, this is going to be, you know, a real break from cricket for all, all the cricketers around the country. Well, absolutely, and that's um, I'm sure everyone's hoping it's not not going to be a break for for all too long and hopefully you know, we can get back to some sense of normality in the future who knows how long how far away that is um, but yeah it's I mean very different so far from, from how we usually end seasons not only calling the season off but um, you know haven't physically caught up haven't uh, debriefed anything post-season meetings fitness testing etc etc um, you know it's all been put on pause yeah and um, are you feeling okay about it all? Because I know it's, I mean, for me, it's a huge change. Your your whole life, our whole lives have been turned upside down in a week almost. Absolutely, um, and uh, obviously a lot of concern and anxiety for you know it's, it's a big health crisis. There's no showing away from that. Um, and while it's going to be very inconvenient for people, it's um, necessary to to try and stop the spread of this virus. So, yes, there's definitely a lot of anxiety around how this ends up playing out over the coming months, years, etc. Um, so I suppose there's not much we can do but follow the advice and uh, hopefully get on top of this. Yeah, it's hard. You've got to sort of isolate yourself from your older relatives in particular, which um, it's quite a big change, not being able to see your grandparents or your, some people's parents. It's, it's, it's a big change. Absolutely. And I, you know, I can see it going, you know, progressing even further to what's being experienced in the UK now where you know, you're not allowed to see anybody outside your immediate household so whatever needs to be done I suppose to to try and halt this pandemic because as we've seen the, the images from Italy um, you know how distressing they can be and they were probably in the position we were you know weeks if not a month ago. Now uh, speaking of lockdowns are there going to be many New South Wales teammates locked down together? Do many of your teammates live together? That's a very good point yes there are a few uh, Daniel Hughes enjoys living with his teammates very much. Uh, <laughs> one with Sean Abbott through the big dash period. Uh, now moved in with Harry Conway. Um, and Harry Conway was living with Nick Burtis. And Daniel Hughes has just slid himself straight into that bedroom. So, yeah, I mean, they'll be locked down together. They'll be thick as thieves by the time they... I suppose they already are, but um, they'll get to know each other really, really well, I'd imagine, over this period. Yeah, Harry wouldn't be a bad person to be locked down with. Uh, endless entertainment, no doubt, with Harry. Um, you would know, certainly be um, you know, keeping Hughesy entertained after his run through everything that's on Netflix. That's right. Uh, so, so let's just uh, look back on on the season for New South Wales. I had the privilege of commentating on all your home games, and it was such a dominant, commanding performance by your team. Uh, how do you sort of um, look back on on the season? Yeah, well. Um, Obviously, the way it ended, very sort of mixed emotions there. Very proud to um, to be awarded the shield, um, but also, you know, it's disappointing that, that the season had to be had the pin pulled on us early. But completely understandable in the, in the current environment. So, yeah, some some mixed emotions about it, but I certainly don't think that you know detracts from the sense of achievement. The group's been working very hard towards this for a long period of time. Um, fell short last year, obviously in the final against Victoria, so to, you know, to, to win the Shield this year, yeah, very, very happy to do that. Yeah, and what was, the, what was the feeling like amongst the team when, you know, it started to become evident that you could be awarded the title? Um, well, yeah, I suppose by that point, you know, this situation was developing so quickly. You know, we just really found out that 
uh, we wouldn't be travelling to Perth. I think that decision got made the night before we were supposed to leave for our last round Sheffield Shield game over in Perth. Um, and then from there, it all sort of flowed on pretty quickly. A lot of you know back and forth communicating with you know people in Cricket New South Wales, Cricket Australia, the ACA, um, you know everybody just I suppose trying to get an understanding of of how this all pans out and what what ultimately happens. So um, yeah, pretty um <laughs> pretty confusing period really. Mm, um, certainly was. But yeah, um, but still you know very um, very pleased with how the season um, ended up evolving for us. And, you know, what it would have been a very different feeling had we have played a final and won a final. You know, it's still, you know, that sense of achievement is still there. Yeah, and so it should be. I mean, you came out of the blocks very fast. I think you won five of your first six games, which has never been done by a New South Wales team before. And I think that sort of commanding lead you had on the table made the decision pretty easy for the administrators. You know, you were clearly the best team in those nine rounds. Yeah, well, I suppose we'd won, you know, two more games. Well, actually, from from second place Victoria, we'd won three more games than than they had, and won two more games than Queensland had, who were sitting in third. So I suppose you know that's probably the basis for the decision. Yeah, it obviously would have been wonderful to to have a shield final and to you know to win a shield in that manner, uh, but obviously that's you know, not realistic in this environment. No, and. When when you were awarded the title, this was before a lot of the social distancing laws had come in and changes. So at that time, were you able to get together as a team and at least talk about the win, or is it has it been all um, just via you know FaceTime and stuff? Yeah, well, we had a, a sort of WhatsApp thread running at the time, um, but yeah, these these sort of, sort of restrictions came in came in pretty quickly, so it's you know it sort of prevents you from doing anything anything major. Um, um, it would be nice at some point to, to get our hands on the on the shield physically, um, but whether or not that you know that even happens in the in the near future, you know, it's it's hard to see a mass gathering at this point. Like it's you know whether it's to celebrate a you know something like that or not. Obviously, you can't do it socially. But even the Steve Law Medal, the the Cricket New South Wales Awards with the Belinda Clark Medal and the Steve Law Medal has been called off as well, um, which is again you know, very necessary. In, in this climate, so it would have been lovely to have, you know, as I said, won the shield, had a celebration in the change rooms, and spent time together in that in that way. But you know, hopefully, in the in the future, we can do it again. You must be very proud of the way you led the side. I, sort of watching you for the whole summer, you, you seem very, you know, measured, and you never seem to lose your cool out in the middle. Uh, yeah, how, you know, you seem to be a very sort of calm leader. Oh, that's that's very kind of you to say. Um, I mean, I, I do. I have been working on that actually to try and you know to try and improve my demeanour on the field. Have been in the past guilty of um, of riding the highs and lows a bit much and getting a bit frustrated. So just trying to be a bit more level um, and be a bit sort of calmer. Um, so I think that temperament is you know I think people appreciate that a lot more, um, especially with quite a young group. Um, I think it's you know, necessary to to carry yourself in that way, and that's sort of something I've been trying to do. So, mate, thanks for I appreciate you noticing that, and uh, thanks for the compliment. <laughs> uh, it's been quite a turnaround for the Blues. Last year was a rebuilding. You made the final. This year, uh, you've won the title. So, it's been a very, very successful rebuild. Are there, are there any players throughout this season? 
um, that you think have stood out? I've got a few in mind, but who, who do you think's really sort of stood out? Well, I think especially over the last two years, um, and I think Andre Adams deserves a great deal of credit for this, um, the improvement in both Sean Abbott and Harry Conway um, have been outstanding. You know, from where they were, you know, rewind a few years, the improvements they've made um, been outstanding, and it's great to see them both you know, getting the recognition, not only performing really well for New South Wales, but now you know, being called into Australia A squads, Sean Abbott playing for Australia again. Um, really, really proud of those guys. And that's been, I think, a massive contributor, but also you know, very lucky with some of the um, senior players that we have around the place. You know, Enriquez, Copeland, um, Curtis Patterson was injured a fair bit this season, but um, you know, he's just a great influence around the group. And Ben Solway um, was uh, not a great find for us because everybody knew he was there and knew what he was doing, and he just banged the door down and forced forced the electors to pick him. Mm. Um, and obviously, you know, his performances at Shield level are no surprise because he's earned his selection there by repeatedly making runs in great cricket, second line cricket. Yeah, I mean, I agree with all that. Solway's just got a lot of fight about him. He's just a gutsy batter who goes out there and sells his wicket very dearly. And I think um, we saw him make some vital little partnerships with other players. But yeah, I, I think um, early on in the season when Moses came out and hit those two sort of whirlwind knocks at Dremoyne and the SCG, uh, th- that was really important to sort of starting the season off well. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I think one of Moses's great attributes um, is he can just change the game so quickly. Um, he's one of those players and he has the, the backing of everybody to go out and play the, the way he sees. Um, he sums it up really well. He's got a great cricket brain. Um, and when he takes the game on and you know, sort of make 100 in a session against Tasmania, and that just completely changes the dynamic of the game. And I've seen him do it time and time again, especially you know, there's one game up at the Gabba where everybody was um, you know, particularly struggling. Um, and he came out and just took the game on and you know, completely changed the fixture. Um, and that's, you know, those players are so valuable to you um, because, you know, not only have you got people around them that can compliment them and, you know, if it doesn't come off, you know, people that can, like a Daniel Solway, can dig in and place a high price on their wicket and get the team to where they need to get to. But having Moses, you know, he can win your game off his own bat. So it's great to have that in your team also. Yeah, they, they were some entertaining innings. Smith, Steve Smith, obviously two tons in three matches, always good when... The world's best comes back for a guest appearance. And uh, Daniel Hughes, 6.65 runs at 44.33. And I will never forget those twin centuries at Bankstown, basically um, in the last home game. A phenomenal performance by him. Yeah, that was that was brilliant. That's exactly what we needed as well. Um, probably coming off a disappointing loss against Victoria the match before. We probably needed that one extra win to, to secure ourselves a, a home final. So for Daniel Hughes to you know, to step up and, and really drive us to that victory, along with Trent Copeland, who got nine wickets in that game. So having two of your senior guys really stand up and um, and win that game, um, you know, that was really important in the context of our season. It takes the pressure off you having to go to Tasmania and having to go to Perth and win. So um, that was a, you know, a fantastic performance from him. But it was great to see so many you know, guys contributing at different times throughout the season to, to get us the wins that we needed. 
Yeah, actually, you know, I was looking at the stats um, before we got on the phone, and you, know, you just look at the bowling stats, the way the the wickets were shared around. You know, you know, everyone contributed at different times, taking wickets. You know, you had Conway and Copes up the top, but then you had Stark, O'Keefe, Hatcher, Abbott, Lyon, all taking valuable hauls at different times of the season. It, it was just a really a, a big team effort, especially with the ball. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, that's been a hallmark of, of the season really is, um, you know, contributions by people at, at important times. And, you know, we saw obviously Nathan Lyon available for the whole back end of the season, but um, the job Stephen O'Keefe did when he had his opportunity, um, you know, did exceptionally well. You know, he's so um, very talented at when things aren't favourable, um, when there's not much there for him, just being able to tie up one end um, and build some pressure so that we can attack with the quicks from the other end. Um, but you saw, you know, probably our perhaps third highest wicket taker. You know, he managed to rip rip through some some orders as well. So um, very pleased to see him get his 300th first first class wicket throughout those wicket throughout um, this season as well. So very pleased for, for how he performed. And then obviously you've got Nathan Lyon coming back and that's a big challenge for us, no doubt, is being New South Wales. We have, you know, Australian players available every now and then and we end up using, you know, perhaps 20 players through a season. Yeah, it's, it's been um, just a, a lot of contributions. So congratulations, Nev. I know this is a, a troubling time for everybody. There's much bigger concerns but I, I saw up close how hard you all worked and, uh, you know, in my opinion, you're obviously very deserving of your title and uh, I hope at some stage you get a chance to celebrate it with your teammates whenever that is. I appreciate it, Andrew. Thank you very much. That was Peter Neville, the New South Wales cricket captain after they were awarded the Sheffield Shield. Well, that's it for this edition of Cricket Unfiltered. I'm here for you. Paul's here for you. The podcast is here for you. We're not going anywhere. From next week, we're going to start reviewing each episode of Amazon's The Test. So go and watch episode one ahead of next week's episode. Keep your chin up, cricket fans. I love you all. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.